Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman. Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Rakeem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking about. Amani wells on Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles. That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now. As uh, you guys already know, there was a mass shooting at a Dollar General in Jacksonville. Um, and it was racially motivated. Um, the population of Jacksonville, Florida, is a little over 30% black. So this shooter knew exactly where to go. And he had a swastika on his gun, according to law enforcement and other reports. And he had sent manifestos to uh, the police and to members of his family, basically saying that he wanted to kill black people. So it's obviously rocked the community and it's rocked the, the nation. It's gotten a, a national coverage. Uh, Jacksonville Mayor Donna Deegan gave remarks. Uh, She said that she noted how that community has suffered again and again from this type of violence. Uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis condemned the attack as well. He said that he he offered support to Sheriff T.K. Waters in Jacksonville. And, you know, they sent their condolences. And um, I believe he also uh, allocated some government funds to the community. Um, Now, and roundly denounced it. I mean, just immediately denounced it vehemently as he could yeah yep he immediately denounced it and guess what he's getting the blame for it right right? so i mean really what what stands out to me about these situations is that i think america we're in a place where we have lost our humanity when something like this happens our knee-jerk reaction is to politicize it the left is blaming it on desantis blaming it on the right and i see people on the right doing the usual thing when something like this happens they bring up black on black crime because they want to deflect from what happened yada 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 so to me this should be a moment where we can all come together. But now with our political landscape, it's just gotten so politicized that we're just looking to score cheap political points. Meanwhile, three people are dead who shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I, what I immediately started asking myself is, OK, this is the enemy, right? I mean, the enemy is uh, hatred that manifests as violence against people on the basis of their skin color. Um, that enemy has to be stopped. Uh, there's, there can be no place in a healthy society for any of that. So how do we stop it? You know, how do we prevent that? Is is it education? Is it, uh, you know, uh, having people have experiences with members of uh, other races on a consistent basis, you know, diversity, inclusion kinds of things, not of the teaching, but just of the, you know, like this, here we have a conversation with a lot of different kinds of people. How do you prevent this from happening? Knowing that you're never going to fully prevent all of it. The world is a history of racism. Everywhere you go, there's racism throughout all of history, but we ought to fight against it. And how do we do that? I don't have a great answer to that, but I do know that every time it happens, everybody else has to stand up and denounce it. And that may seem like some act of anti-racist virtue signaling, but that's the kind of virtue signaling that needs to happen so consistently that nobody ever feels comfortable in the public square, even giving a little bit of corner to this kind of evil. I think it's important just because even in this attack, it was so specifically anti-black too. Like he literally just hated black people and that's just disgusting. And I think what we can do just as a country, and it's similar to what you're saying, Andrew, but just don't even give those type of opinions room to breathe. And I think that's why in this particular case, it became politicized, quote unquote, because Rhonda Sands is just one person, but I'm just saying in the political landscape over just like the past, since Trump, honestly, we've been seeing instead of a lot of dog whistles, we've been seeing a lot of like bullhorns on a lot of 
racist innuendos and racist policies. And it's just becoming more and more profound over the past few years. Um, and of course, we have a long history of this in the country. There's been times where you can just call somebody the hard R and it was fine. And we've advanced past that. But at the same time, a lot of those values are still very part of our society and being teached. The man who did this was only 21. He wasn't some guy who's 82 years old and was hit. That's just the culture he grew up in. He learned this from somebody. He got this from somewhere. He's younger than me and everybody on this call to only be 21 years old and have that much of a deep hatred towards black people just shows how prominent those opinions are still being passed down in certain households and certain families amongst certain communities. So that's what we need to figure out what to do about. And that's why we try to educate people on these issues. But clearly, it's still getting through that people so young still have hatred in their hearts this strong as if they were around in the 50s and the 60s when it was prominent. So I think that's my biggest concern is that when we talk about this stuff like CRT and all of these things that and DEI and all of these things we try to use to address the issue, cases like this where the shooter is so young just shows us, is there a lack of education around the issue? Yes. Is there some sort of educating that needs to be done around helping people understand race in a different way? Absolutely. It's just a matter of finding the ways to do that. And that's where we all kind of disagree sometimes. See, but and then my question, and you know, this is for anybody to answer, really, because I I don't have it all figured out. But but where does this kind of kind of hate come from, right? I mean, education is good, but there, there's something else that has to be going on with somebody to say I despise this other person because they have a different ethnicity or they come from a different country or or what have you. And I I kind of have had some had some thoughts on it, but I want to see what you guys think. Can, can I can I challenge that premise a little bit? Because I think, you know. I mentioned it briefly. Racism is, you know, the history of racism is just the history of the world, right? Um, everybody, everywhere, uh, every country, every nationality, you see race, ethnic cleansing, all this, you know, it's just, it's ubiquitous, right? I would say to the contrary that um, racism is the norm and egalitarianism and tolerance and inclusion are sadly the exception, the kind of thing mm-hmm. that are, you know, sort of fragile and have to be fought for, advocated for, encouraged, you know, raised basically. I mean, I, you know, for me, I'm a Christian. God made everybody in his image. We're all, you know, so racism is unacceptable to me because it's a violation of core principles of the gospel, you know, for me. Um, So I tend to believe that's a solution. You know, you preach the gospel and people will, uh, as long as it's preached properly, they will eventually become less racist outside of that. I'm not sure. But I don't think it's the default setting to be egalitarian. I think the default setting is xenophobia, uh, hostility towards others who look and sound and eat and dress differently than we do. You know, Jeff, um, I was I'm about pausing because I want to be generous with the way that you started. and But I think I just fundamentally disagree that the issue was being politicized. I'm partially trying to track between Buffalo and Charleston and now Jacksonville that um, I haven't looked at the statistics and maybe somebody has and can bring that into the conversation, but it does seem like there is an uptick in um, racially motivated murders, not just mass shootings, but racially motivated murders. And I think that people like Ron DeSantis who play so loose with our history that they want to ignore the dark parts of it and our attempts to address those things aid in a culture that continues to reproduce that violence, right? The the three of us on this call are potentially, who are black, are potentially subject to being murdered because we are black. 
That happens in this country routinely. I can't think of a white person who's been murdered because they were white. I'm not saying it never happens. I'm just saying it's kind of not the norm, not thinkable. And the reason I, the legislators in Florida and the black community in Florida, I think, was so incensed is because Ron DeSantis has made Florida what? The place where woke goes to die. And we all know that woke is standing in whatever they say for black for a series of progressive civil rights oriented reforms that people have sought to advance that one might disagree with for all sorts of academic reasons, um, but ultimately that they've found so pernicious and so poisonous that they've decided to restrict them entirely. They can't even be parts of the conversation. And so I don't think that folks are off base for bringing these two things together and trying to raise to his attention what you're doing has consequences. We are not saying that what you did directly motivated this person to kill someone. But we need you to understand that beyond the orbit of responsible conversation, which is where you somehow think all people exist, there is a broader cesspool of racism that orbits everything that we do, the dark web, et cetera, that finds comfort and aid in what you're doing and sees it as a dog whistle or a signal that their kinds of conduct and their ultimate theory of sort of white nationalist supremacy over the country is viable if they can only just convince people to take one more step in their direction, two more steps in their direction. And so I think the scorn that he received was appropriate, and I hope that it causes him to revisit some of the policies that he's currently engaged in, not because I think he should turn over and agree with the policies, but the vehemence with which he addresses critical race theory or LGBTQ rights and all these other communities that have experienced systemic violence in this country by virtue of who we are, so to Andrew's point, and maybe all of human history, but I'm just going to talk about the United States, who we are, um, you know, he's he's always playing with a powder keg with, a, you know, a handful of matches, and he just doesn't seem to know the environment that he's in. See, and, and here's my thing with that. I mean, I think it's, I think he makes an easy target. And I think that just blaming it on DeSantis really doesn't go deep enough because honestly, for being honest, I don't think this kid who shot up these people in the Dollar General said, oh, DeSantis, you know, passed laws against CRT. I think I'll go kill a bunch of black people now. I'll tell you what I do think contributes more to this. You know, it, what, there, there is a concerted effort on, on I'll say mainly people on the right to make black people appear to be violent. Like if you go on Twitter or Facebook, you'll see a lot of these right-leaning influencers sharing, and this is, I call it black man, bad porn. It's those videos where they show black people being violent, beating each other up. And you see them posting like, notice a pattern. I mean, they're obviously the, the objective is to make us look like violent, violent thugs. These aren't being done by politicians. You see this stuff on 4chan, you see it on Reddit, you see it all over the social media. And I know social media is in real life, but a lot of these people who commit these acts of violence were very active on 4chan and very active on social media. I think that contributes to this stuff way more than DeSantis's policies, which, by the way, are deserving of criticism. Definitely. I'm not defending his policies, but I think we miss the point when we seem to try to use these things to score political points against somebody like DeSantis. That's not going to change his mind. I think that there's there's a deeper root to this stuff. Yeah. Can I just interject one quick thing? But remember when he debated Andrew Gillum and Andrew Gillum said something to the effect of, I'm not saying that you're a racist, but the racists think that you're a racist. 
Right. But people just brush those things off. They think, well, that's just, you know, just pejorative. You're just being insulting. I'm not associated. I don't, I don't disagree people. with you on that. But, yeah, but there's, when, there's something... you know, someone said, said to me, but the racists think you're racist. I'd be like, well, they know. <laughs> I mean, they know. So, <laughs> so if they think I'm one of them, I need to figure out what's going on here where people are finding common, finding comfort with what it is I'm saying. Now, that doesn't mean you change everything, but some reflection is required. And of course, he's the governor, so he has to show up to these places. I'm not blaming him for those things, but I'm just hoping that this creates some level of awareness on his part that actually there's something really troubling going on in the country. It may even have come to my state. I may be participating in it unknowingly. Let's start there. Give him the benefit of the doubt. I think I'm just sort of holding my conservative viewpoints, things I was taught and I learned. But there's something happening. Yeah. I think he uses that base. I don't think he's dumb. I don't think he's dumb at all. And I think if he isn't racist, he knows who he's trying to reach when he does certain things. And I think the reason why, because Ron, let's let's like you said, Rakeem, let's give Ron DeSantis the biggest benefit of the doubt in the world. Let's say he is truly innocent in this and he is not meaning to do this stuff. He has purposely positioned himself to advocate against the whole anti-wokeness thing. He has made himself the martyr for anti-wokeness. And that's something that is done purposely, whether the intentions were to cause harm, to be racist or whatever. He marketed himself that way, which is why it's easy for people to place blame on him. But just like you're saying, Jeff, yeah, Fortran, these Internet streets are dangerous. It is a lot of very weird stuff, a lot of very dark just disgusting communities online that talk about all type of stuff. Racism is one of them, but the incel community, all these anti-women communities that talk about harming women physically, it's some very dirty, disgusting stuff on the internet. So those people have community online, but they also just look into the public eye to see if anybody is giving them a wink and a nod. And it could be an unintentional wink and a nod, but they're seeing it not just with Ron, but they a lot of them saw that thing with Trump as well. And that's just something that people, I mean, just the Republican Party is in, in general. We heard of the southern strategy if y'all have never listened to the southern strategy um video where they're talking about how they're purposely being racist i implore you to please please listen to that because it is an integral part of the republican party and we can talk about how it's not but it's a very purposeful thing that they do to even if they themselves don't hold these views they know that their party holds these views and they know in order to win they have to signal to that party so this is something that goes beyond desantis beyond trump is something that's been happening for the past what 50 60 years now that they've been using that type of dog whistling strategy but we can't say that these people aren't participating in it because they absolutely are and if they don't want to be aligned with that type of stuff i would implore them to find other avenues to advocate for Floridians, for whoever it is that you're trying to reach. There's millions of issues you can talk about, but you making yourself the, the woke, anti-woke guy was a choice. And yeah, that's, I, it I, came with consequences. Uh, so, Rakeem, I, I, I want to try to rephrase what you're saying and, and see if I can capture it the, the, the way I think about it for myself. Um, if somebody told me that the racists think I'm a racist, I would be horrified. Right. I would, I mean, and so, and I think about all the things I say over the course of four hours on a radio show or over the podcast or whatever. And for example, when racial topics come up, uh, I know that I take uh, positions that are conservative and therefore they're the kinds of things that historically I know also some racists have said. I just, that's just true. So I have to be really vigilant to make sure to also boldly, repeatedly declare 
racism is evil, racism is unjustified, racism is unchristian to a degree that I want the racist who happens to be listening, let's say, I want that person to feel in no way vindicated. I want that person to feel in no way comforted or aided or supported, or I want them to know I'm criticizing them more than I'm criticizing the policy that they are also critical of. And I think what you're saying is DeSantis is failing on that job that, you know, and, and Amani, I think is saying that at least historically, some people have deliberately failed in that task. And, and I totally agree with you that if you're, if you're playing in this vicinity, you've got to go above and beyond and make sure that everybody knows, including <laughs> the racists who might otherwise find comfort in your speeches, that they're not welcome because otherwise they will feel welcome. And I, I, I can see why governor DeSantis has felt at times like, God, I do this all the time. I do explain that. I do tell people that I, I include black people everywhere I can in my inauguration events and all this stuff. And they still call me a racist. It's crazy. How many times do I have to say this? And my answer would be, well, 10 or 20,000 more. You just have to keep saying it. But I, but I would also caution against doing it that much to where you're basically just trying to make people feel better. Because one thing you have to realize is that not everybody who calls conservatives racist actually think conservatives are racist. We have to, I mean, if people on the left are going to be honest about this, they will admit there are a lot of people on their side who use that word racist as a cudgel. They use it as a way to score political points. I'm not saying everybody who uses the word has that intention, but I mean, you'd have, we'd have to be pretty gullible to not be able to see that there are people who will just call somebody racist because it helps them discredit their political opponent. It, it, it's politics. Uh, I did want to run something else by you guys, though. I mean, with this whole thing and going back to like the roots of this hate that we see in America, I'm, re I'm reminded of the character Atticus Finch from To Kill a Mockingbird. And his daughter, Scout, asked because he lives in a very racist town. He's representing a black man who was falsely accused. Um, and the whole town is basically racist. But he always has this try, this ability to, to understand where they're coming from, even though he's not justifying it. But he's even more kind of naive to a fault where he really wants to understand where they're coming from. And so Scout is asking about this other character who's very racist. You know, why is he like that? Whatever. And Atticus responds by basically saying, if you want to understand somebody, you got to crawl around in their skin. That person lost their job. That person is going through all this poverty and this whole community has been affected by the changing times. And then they'll, they'll see that maybe black people are getting jobs or maybe they're being convinced that black people are taking their jobs, yada, 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 yada. Do you think that that has a lot to do with why somebody might pick up a rifle or even just not even if, if they don't get, in, get engaged in violence, but they have resentment to people based on the color of their skin. Could it be more of the experiences that they've had and how they've been led to interpret them? A big part of it could definitely be that because a lot of people are always looking for a scapegoat, uh, some way to um, give their problems away and make them not their own fault. And we can look at that with people in their personal lives. Like people are quick to throw a pity party and point the blame instead of looking in the mirror and saying there's something wrong with you. You need to do some self-help. You need to apply for that job. You simply weren't qualified because this person had more schooling than you did or more education or more experience or whatever the case may be. So, yeah, I think that there are a lot of issues in this country that people like to use racism, you know, to excuse and they just use it as the reason why, you know, they got the shorter end of the stick. But 
um, there's there's still a lot of self-reflection that's needed. And I think it's just easier for a lot of people to just be racist and just blame it on the blacks or whoever instead of looking internally. And that's that is a in some ways that's a mental health thing. Like we have people that don't have the ability to think inward or don't even have the tools or the access to those tools to do that work, the time to do that work. Like self-work isn't something you can just kind of do on a whim. You have to be able to invest in it. And why make that investment when you can just blame it on somebody else? But that could be a part of it. I actually, to your point, Jeff, then it was Andrew summarized my views well. I'm asking Ron DeSantis to do exactly that, to swim around in somebody else's skin, both the community that finds itself under duress, but also that potential person. Because if we acknowledge what all the public health reports tell us right now, which we're having spikes in mental health crises around the country, then you should know that actually the country is very volatile and vulnerable at this particular moment. And these kind of bombastic, militaristic, you know, warlike, we're fighting with them kinds of statements have reverberations at this present moment with people suffering from mental health crises of one kind or another that I think we're not used to, right? That we just haven't really experienced. We normally think, well, I'm saying something, there's some rational person on the other side who may agree with it or disagree with it, and they will alter the view according to whatever. That's almost never true. But at this particular moment, post-COVID, right? Where people were locked down for all this time or still reorienting themselves, the world seems strange, we're all working from home or at least partially working from home or at least, you know, that whole situation has changed, your frequency of contact with folks, you have more contact with people you don't know on the interwebs, back to Amani's point about that dark, those set of dark circles. If you lived in someone else's skin, you might say to yourself, maybe they shouldn't hear this from someone of authority in the state. You know, it, it seems to me like the I'm thinking particularly about the incident in Jacksonville. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think at this point we really know much enough about him to diagnose. But it it strikes me that there's probably a blend of at least three different things going on here. There's stupidity. Right. I mean, a kind of irrational, ill education, not able to do a sort of self-reflection. Look at the evidence, consider the data, you know, form a rational worldview based on the totality of the facts. Uh, there's evil which comes in all different flavors, but, you know, evil is willing to do things that are clearly contrary to uh, virtue and morals and God's guidance or what, however you want to style it. Uh, and there's mental illness, there's derangement, there's just the inability to see the world clearly, uh, inability to make good choices, to control your behavior, you know, whatever the issue is. Okay. And, uh, you know, so between stupidity, evil and derangement, it's a complicated thing to solve. And, you know, very smart people have been racists, tragically, uh, you know, that I don't I don't know how that happens, but it does happen. Uh, is it because of the programming and the, the videos they've seen or the culture they were growing up? And I I don't know. It's hard for me to fathom, but no single answer is going to solve for that cluster of problems that are not all from the same cause. At least I don't think so. But we ought to be working on all of them. Yeah, and there was some information that came out on the on the shooter's background. I do know that he was committed to a mental health facility for a certain period of time. And he got Baker sure acted, how, right? And they got they released him. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, so you've got mental illness, but I, at the same time, I understand why people will kind of shy away from discussing mental illness in a case like this because it will distract from the racist aspect. 
the, the fact of the matter, the way he's shaping up is the guy was a racist and he was probably mentally ill at the same time. It may be racism is a mental illness. I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. But but I think there, there are a lot of racist people out there who may not have a mental illness. But in this particular situation, it's looking like that was the case. Now, we don't know which came first or which caused either, but I, I think that those are both factors here. you would like to be a part of the debate email us the debate at newsweek.com look around you can find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader